welcome to another edition of the Live Well and Fully podcast. Through this podcast, we help women remember that they matter too. We spark new insights on changes they might desire for in their own lives so they can step forward confidently and turn their dreams into reality. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Live Well and Fully. I'm Barbara Decker, and I'm on the East Coast of the United States in Pennsylvania. And I'm here with Casey McGuire-Davidson. Where are you hanging out today, Casey? I live in Seattle, Washington. Oh, that's a, that's a nice place to live. Are you enjoying it? Oh, yeah. I've been here for 22 years. I love it here. Son of a gun. Casey is a life and sobriety coach, and she's the host of the Top 100 Mental Health Podcast, the Hello Someday Podcast for sober, curious women, and for gray area drinkers. And so the title of our interview today is How to Get Through Your First Month Alcohol-Free. And isn't that a challenge for so many of us moms who watch our children perhaps drinking more than we'd like them to drink, and our children are simply resistant to rehab, and so Casey offers um, an alternative to that, something that might be appealing to your daughter. So I'm going to start the timer, and we'll start with question one. Casey, who do you serve? Yeah, I mean, I work mostly with high-achieving women, often working moms, who are worried about their drinking, and they've tried to moderate and make lots of rules about when they'll drink and how much they'll drink, but they have trouble trouble sticking to it despite their best efforts. Yeah, the mind does that thing, right, where it wants what it wants. Yeah. Thank you. Number two, what is unique, special about your approach to diseases like addiction and or mental illness if you encounter that in your work? Yeah. Well, what I try to do is help women with a step-by-step approach to get their first 100 days alcohol-free, to get away from the drinking cycle and the craving withdrawal cycle, to feel better and enjoy life without alcohol, but do it in a way that is not about deprivation. It's a self-care approach. So they're not white knuckling it. You know, I love that because I think most of the women that I know neglect their own self-care. And that's a beautiful way to focus on it because isn't that so important? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Number three, what one thing makes your approach effective, Casey? Well, I think the biggest thing that helps my approach is the mindset change. A big barrier to stopping drinking for the women I work with is their limiting beliefs about what life would be like if they stopped drinking. So whether other people in their lives would think that they have a problem with alcohol or whether they'll be bored or boring. Um, A lot of women worry about how they'll relax or bond with their partner or hang out with their friends. They're worried about missing out. And so I help them get past that to see that living alcohol-free is an empowering choice that helps them get unstuck and take care of themselves and to disprove a lot of their fears about life without alcohol. I think you're spot on with that. I think you hit the nail on the head from my conversations with people who who suffer from this, uh, they really don't know what they're going to do with themselves, their hands, their whole being, right? Mm -hmm. So much the fabric of their life. Okay, number four, what is the most common mistake a family member makes when dealing with a loved one 
who has a problem with alcohol. Yeah. And I think that this depends on the level of the problem with alcohol, right? If you have a son or a daughter who needs to go to rehab, who needs to go to medical detox, that's very different. But for the population of women that I work with who are sort of gray area drinkers, they might be on the moderate or mild substance use disorder spectrum. One of the biggest mistakes I see most commonly with the women I work with, their family members, their friends, their loved ones, they don't actually want their loved one to actually stop drinking. What they want is for them to cut back, for them to drink less. They don't want it to actually impact their lives or change their drinking in any way. So either they don't get it or they don't take them seriously, or they even subtly sabotage their efforts to go alcohol-free. So essentially, they might be worried about losing their drinking buddy, or what would it mean for their own drinking, or they don't understand why it's so hard. So they drink around them. They encourage them to go to drinking events. They're like, oh, that's cool that you're not drinking. I'm just going to have a gin and tonic. Um, They don't want to get the alcohol out of the house, which makes for the women who are trying to go alcohol-free that struggle with it, a constant exercise in willpower not to reach for the alcohol that's right in front of them. Oh, that is so powerful and so well said. You know, I wish I ate less ice cream. And I make this comparison because I had someone say to me, yeah, but if I don't have alcohol in the house, she just goes and buys it. Say, well, think about this. I don't keep ice cream in the house because I'll eat it. But during COVID, Grubhub started to deliver ice cream. And now I know that. And that makes it so much easier to get it. It would I, I should have to work a little bit to get it, shouldn't I? Yeah, you want to increase the friction between the craving or the desire to drink and the ability to actually access alcohol because most cravings last 20 minutes. And if you eat something, if you distract yourself, if you go for a walk, if it's not accessible, you are so much more likely to get through that craving. I'm going to have to try that when ice cream hits me today. Yeah. Thank you. What is one tip a listener can use starting now that will help them be more effective when dealing with their loved ones? And the answer to that may be in the question we just talked about, but maybe it's different. So go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I think that people should understand that someone who is worried about their drinking, for them to say out loud, I am going to try to stop drinking or possibly I'm worried about my drinking or I want to do a period of time without alcohol. That is incredibly hard to do. And the most helpful thing you can say to that person is good for you. That's awesome. That's a great health choice. I'll do a dry challenge with you. Let's not drink together for 30 days. That's the absolute best thing they can say to them. That's a powerful tip. Thank you. Number six, what is one valuable free resource that you'd like people to have? Yeah, the one... The most valuable free resource I have is my podcast. It's called the Hello Someday Podcast. It's for sober, curious women who are gray area drinkers. It's positive and empowering and a coaching approach to quitting drinking that offers practical tools 
to change your relationship with alcohol. We cover all subjects that impact women and lead them to drink, not only how to stop drinking for 30 days, but also anxiety, how to cope with your marriage, how to cope with perfectionism, how to deal with drinking events in the workplace. And I've got over 130 episodes. So there's a lot of content there. Wow, that sounds amazing. Thank you. And number seven, what should I have asked you that I didn't? And what's the answer to that question? Yeah, I think the question I get most from women and the question maybe you should have asked me is, what if someone doesn't think they're a quote unquote alcoholic? And that question is one that trips up a lot of people who are worried about their relationship with alcohol. The answer is that it's not necessary. And frankly, I don't think it's helpful or useful at all to spend a lot of time debating if you really have a problem with alcohol or if you're that bad or if you're an alcoholic. Because the truth is that alcohol is an addictive substance that is designed to make you consume more of it and more often. The substance is working as designed if you have trouble moderating it. And the fact is, it is incredibly bad for your health, despite anything you have heard about red wine being good for your heart or moderate drinkers being healthier than non-drinkers. Those studies have been disproven hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times. So forget about being an alcoholic or not. You could debate that for decades. Alcohol disrupts your sleep. It fuels anxiety. It causes facial redness. It, you know, leads to broken capillaries. It causes weight gain or it impedes weight loss. It messes with your blood sugar. It, but most of all, it causes cancer. It's been shown to significantly increase your risk of seven kinds of cancer. And that's not just among heavy drinkers. Women who drink even three alcoholic beverages a week have a 15% higher risk of breast cancer. So the choice is not to think, am I an alcoholic? But the idea that not drinking is a choice to take better care of your body. And it can be as simple as that. And the beautiful thing is that about the huge sober curious movement going on right now is you're not alone. So many people are deciding without a label that alcohol is no longer working in their lives right now and that they feel better without it. Oh, I love that answer. You know, I personally have stopped drinking. I I did go dry when my son Eric was going through his addiction, and he argued with me and said he didn't need me to. And I said, I don't care. There's not going to be booze in my house. And I gave it away. And um, if I had events here, I let everybody know that there was no alcohol welcome. And if I took everybody out for dinner, I let it be known that it was a non-drinking event if they chose to decline. You know, that was certainly their choice, but this was, you know, my event. Um, Not that I can control what anybody else would do at their event, but I would still, you know, I'd go out to dinner with somebody else and I would have, you know, a glass of wine or this or that. And I decided I don't like the fact that it makes me fall asleep. It just makes me sleepy and I'd rather have chocolate. So I stopped drinking. So I'm glad to hear you say that's giving me health benefits, Casey. Oh, God. Alcohol is terrible for your health. 
excellent that I've made that made a good choice because I've read those articles. Oh, red wine extends your life. And I thought, well, I still don't want to drink it. So they are funded by the alcohol industry. Oh boy. I believe that. I didn't know it, but I believe it. Yeah. And that's a wrap. So thank you so very much, Casey, for spending this time with us and for being so uh, forthcoming and illuminative. Your answers are, are wonderfully clear and they present a really welcome different point of view for the moms in the audience who may have a challenge with drinking themselves and certainly for how they engage with their daughters or even their sons uh, around their level of drinking. And to everyone listening, I hope you find a pocket of joy today because you are so worth it. Bye for now. Let's talk soon. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe to be notified when new episodes are released. Then visit www.livewellandfully.com workshop to experience the Love Another Way framework firsthand.